Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are. It's Tuesday in New York. James Golden, AK, and everywhere else around the world, I might add. Well, no, half the world. Anyway, we're here at WABC Talk Radio 77. Telephone number if you'd like to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. We have asked Mayor Giuliani to stay around for just a moment. Mr. Mayor, how are you doing this afternoon? I am doing really well. Well, really well. Nice to talk to you. I'm sorry I'm not there today. Well, that's one of the reasons I wanted to speak with you, because I didn't know this place existed, to be totally frank with you. <laughs> I, You know, driving over the uh, Triborough, often yep. I would look down, and there's a big ball field over there. You go by in the summer, it's so many people there. I've never known about what that ball field either. But Staten Island, I came here, and it blew me away. The view blew me away. When you walk in, you're looking at the most incredible skyline of New York City. (laughs) And then I hear that you built it. You had this place built. Well, along with Guy Molinari, it came about because Guy Molinari was trying to lure the Yankees from the Bronx to Staten Island. And uh, George really was just playing with him. But I said, George, how about if you give him a stadium for a minor Mm. league team? So uh, Steinbrenner said, okay, but the, the city built it. And then in order to get it done, we had to build an equal one for the Mets in Coney Island. And the negotiation wow. between Steinbrenner and the Mets was worse than Israel and Palestine. <laughs> they, every, every single thing the Mets got, George wanted. Every single thing George got, they wanted. And uh, that's why it's there. And Guy Molinari and I put it together, and we built it so that if you hit a home run to left field, you hit it to the World Trade Center. Can you believe and that? I will tell you what, that's one thing that the Mets can't have, don't have, the view of Manhattan that you have from here. And it is in close. You could walk to the Staten Island Ferry. So even if you're not driving, you can just head to the, uh, head to the South Pier, get on the ferry, and half an hour later you're here. And the ticket prices are reasonable. Families, unlike the rodent kingdom, um, Disney World, you can actually afford you can afford to come here and bring your family here. Sorry, yeah, you can't. And you and, and you know, those kids are a lot of fun to watch. I I watched a uh, minor league baseball game in New Hampshire because my hotel room, which I require every time I go to New Hampshire, looks out on a minor league baseball field, the Toronto Blue Jays. I watched a beautiful seven-inning game. It was absolutely terrific. I mean, it's like a little bit between Little League Baseball and Major League Baseball. And you, you, say, well, to yourself, you say to yourself, which one of these kids are going to make it? I used to write their names down if I thought they were good. I think I was wrong most of the time. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, there's a kid playing on this team that is the son of Roger Clemens. And I just saw Roger. Oh, he told me that. I just saw Roger two weeks ago at a fundraiser for my son, Andrew. Oh, he told wow. me about it. He told me yeah, about he's it. Roger. Their first, he's their first professional hire. Jeez, if, so, he's anything like, if he's anything like his father, four Cy Young Awards. Woo! 
I'm telling you, this could be exciting. Well, Mr. Mayor, thank you, and congratulations. Another achievement. Uh, yeah, by you the tell, way, Mr. Mayor, you tell, when, you tell we, John, when are you going to... Mm-hmm. You tell John, One thank question. you. Said it. Yeah. When are you going to get a tuxedo like Mayor Adams had, where you can start becoming like a billboard messenger in the back as you go to the big galas? I, I've never seen it. Seriously? <laughs> the day he reduces crime. I'll oh, do it. Okay. okay. It's up 45%, 68% on the subways. Uh, some guy got beaten last night or the night before while he was wearing that stupid thing to death. I mean, I wouldn't wear that thing until I proved I could do what I promised to do. And so far, we have a city that's more dangerous than de Blasio. Which is insane. And no, it, yep. it's hard to believe. Yep. Oh, well, Mr. Thank Mayor, you, thank you so much. And God bless All you. Right. And thank you for, for making this stadium happen. Most New Yorkers, I'm, I guarantee you, there are going to be a lot of people that didn't know that this existed. It is a wonderful Wonderful oh, it is. day Go trip. Go see it. Absolutely. See it. Thank you, sir. Okay. Take care. All right. So we here we are in one of the biggest days, days of the year. Of course, we have Mark Stein coming up in a few minutes, and Mark and I are going to talk in, about the big story. I The big story hit last night about 9 o'clock, and, of course, I was up till the wee hours of the morning reading everything I could on it. By that time, the protesters had started gathering in front of the Supreme Court of the United States And what we have here is something insidious, something that has never been done in American history, which is the somebody leaked. We don't know who. Somebody leaked the deliberations of the Supreme Court in the first draft as they circulate opinions. This is not an uncommon procedure. After oral arguments, the members of the Supreme Court circulate the opinions among themselves. They figure out they have a test vote to see where everybody is. And then the chief justice usually will assign someone to write the uh, the majority opinion. In this case, it was uh, Justice Samuel Alito. This was his first draft, and by no means is the first draft the final project product. Uh, one of the things that you will hear all day long, if you listen to some of the uh, some of the news networks, is that there is a lot in this first draft that, to use a phrase, is kind of red meat. It goes to some of the other justices uh, who are also agreeing, in this case, so far four justices, five justices agree. So in this case, for instance, the there are some terms in this first draft about abortionists. Most of the other judges don't use, justices don't use that language. Clarence Thomas has. And so that's a shout out kind of to Clarence Thomas. There are also some things that, that um, the latest judge, Judge Barrett, Justice Barrett, has cited that showed up in the Alito draft. Of course, the left is going completely nuts. They're losing their cookies. If you watch PMSNBC last night, they were in full titanic gear. Oh, this is the end of life. This is the end of everything. People don't remember something, though. When Roe v. Wade was passed, it took the nation by surprise. No one was expecting this because abortion wasn't the case. And at the time in this country, the majority of the country had laws on the books that either regulated or prohibited abortion. And so in 1973, when Roe v. Wade was passed, it was a surprise. Most of the country was dead against it. 
which is one of the things that I'm going to talk about with Mark Stein in a few minutes, because I'd like to know, why is it that when liberals are against something, everything has to stop? But when conservatives are against something, it's like, oh, let's just go on and beat them down until we get our way. And that's been the history. Roe v. Wade never should have been law, period, because it isn't constitutional. And if you go through the history of it, there's a book called The Brethren that was written by uh, The Brethren. Who wrote The Brethren? It was Woodwin and Bernstein, actually, that wrote The Brethren. And in The Brethren, this was their first major book after their Watergate book. They actually go through the deliberations of how Roe v. Wade came into law. And what you would learn from that is that this whole three-month thing, it's arbitrary. It was an arbitrary decision made by Harry Blackman. There's no science to it. There never was science to it, ever. And if you look constitutionally, there is no mention of an inherent right to privacy. There, the rights to privacy were regarding search and seizure law. So if you go through any constitutional scholar, what they will tell you is this always stood on shaky ground. Now, to prove the point, there's an article in one of the most liberal left-wing publications in America today, the Los Angeles Times, the Los Angeles Times, where Roe went wrong, a sweeping new abortion right built on a shaky legal foundation. And they walk you through the history of the, of the Roe v. Wade decision. And they talk about Justice Blackman, who authored the Roe opinion. And he cited, you know, in this, the history of Persians, Greeks, Romans, blah, blah, blah. He never quoted the constitutional, underlying constitutional statute that allowed the law to take place. And as most people who study the Constitution know, if laws are not enumerated in the Constitution, those laws belong to the state. And that is where this should have been decided in state governments. Which, which is the constitutional remedy that will happen if, indeed, this is overturned. James Golden, K.A. Snurdy with you here, WABC Talk Radio 77. It is Bo Snurdy's Rush Hour. We're coming right back. Mark Stein joins us right after this. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly Rush on Rush. 77 WABC. He's always mistakenly British. Teen crumpets. Cheerio. But he's really a Canuck. Known on all seven continents. Oh, I know who you are. America's undocumented anchorman. He's a recording star and a TV star. Tuesdays, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, presents Mark Stein. That's right. I can't wait to hear Mark Stein's take on events of the last 24 hours. Mark, my friend, how are you? I'm doing great, James. How are you? I'm go- you know, Mark, I haven't seen Democrats this angry since a Republican president took their slaves away. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Well, actually, that's a very good way of looking at it. 
And as Rush always used to say, for people who think abortion is evil, it is exactly the equivalent in our times that slavery was in the 19th century. So uh, that's not in a, that's not inappropriate. And right now for the Democrats, it's even worse because it's like if you go back 150 years and they'd like wrecked everything, nothing's working for them. And all they had to run on was slavery. That's what they're doing here. They're saying, oh, well, basically, uh, yeah, everything we touch turns to garbage, uh, open borders, inflation, whatever. But the great news is uh, these scary Republicans here are going to end a woman's right to choose. We can't defend. We can't define what a woman is. So but we we have a woman we we have a woman's right to choose that exists independently of what a woman is which is fantastic. You know, here's the thing. I was just going through the LA Times today and they have an an article that actually tells the truth which is odd in a liberal publication. But it tells the truth about the the shaky legal foundation that Roe came into being on. And one of the people that has talked about how awful constitutionally this law was was no was was their their hero rbg yeah ruth bader ginsburg she understood and she was open about saying look this is not really great law and it became a storm center because i was just uh, mentioning that the 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 book from um woodward and bernstein the brethren went into great detail about how yeah. this law was crafted and and how arbitrary later and as soon as this draft which is not the final version was announced the yeah, protesters showing up in front of the the supreme court gnashing their head banging their teeth of course like we're, we're approaching the end of the world what happened correct me if i'm wrong is that even if it's overturned this now becomes a state's issue which is where it was in the first place well, yes, it becomes a state's issue without all the rubbish attached to it by that. It's worth reading uh, the original decision because it's appallingly written. And I, I was just talking to our mutual friend Anne McElhenney. Uh, you know her. Uh, Anne is Irish. Ireland actually voted for abortion. Ireland voted for abortion and uh, decided that basically uh, that uh, it had changed its mind. That's all it said. It had said it had changed its mind, and that was all they did. Well, Mark, good. I didn't. I missed most of that, sadly. But thank you. We just we're today. We're doing a remote, by the way, Mark. At from oh, a, I see. Um, from yeah, from Staten Island. Have you ever been to Staten Island? Yes, I have been to Staten. I go to all the places <laughs> that are mentioned in American. Everything I know about American geography, I learned from American songs, and so. Uh, Staten Island is in a famous old song called Manhattan, and I thought I'd like to see that. And that's when I was a teenager. I went to all the places. The only reason I ever went to Chattanooga was because of Chattanooga Choo Choo. Uh, no disrespect to anybody from Chattanooga. So I learned. I learned. A, well, I learned American geography from American songs. The the, the 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 basic core point I was making there, James, is just that basically. Mm -hmm torturing the english language to so as if it what these guys in powdered wigs 
over two centuries ago, cannily foresaw a need for abortion rights two centuries later. I can't stand that. It's rubbish. Torturing the plain... In New Hampshire, we have a statute that says uh, the laws have to be construed by the plain meaning of the English language. And that's the exact opposite of what they do at the Supreme Court, where they torture the, the wording of the Constitution to find some bogus constitutional pretext for whatever it is they want. Don't do it that way. Why don't you just do it honestly through the legislatures of 50 states, if that's what you want? And if it had been done honestly through the legislatures of 50 states, like it was done, I believe, in Ireland, then yep. the debate stops. The debate stops. But here's what I want to ask you. Okay, Supreme Court rules same-sex marriage is legal, right? Conservatives say, okay, never mind our protest. It's legal. The Supreme Court said it's legal, and they go about their business. By the way, in my personal opinion, all the, 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 the sky is falling that was predicted after same-sex marriage didn't happen, okay? Mm. But it was a decision, and conservatives said, okay, Supreme Court ruled, we go along with it. We'll, or, or not we go along with it, we'll stop the protest. Whether mm. it's, no matter what law, whether it's the takings law, no matter what the Supreme Court rules, conservatives, Republicans respect it, and they follow the law. If it appears that even the Supreme Court wants to rule on something that these liberals don't want, they will raise holy hell. In fact, one of them, I'm trying to remember who it was today, actually, it was, oh, it was uh, one of the Kennedy clan um, uh, called for a revolution. It was, it was, it was Shriver, Maria Shriver. Called oh, for a revolution if this takes place. Why, what, well, is the, what is the difference in mindset here with respect to the court? Well, you know something that exactly gets uh, to what I have a problem with here. A judge's republic is a contradiction in terms. Simply because some bloke is wearing a polyester black robe doesn't make what he's saying any... Uh, no, I'm not being serious about this, James. This, this, this idea... This, no, this idea that these are... I don't see the point of throwing off... Uh, poor old George III. I, I, I said this years ago. I don't see the point of throwing off one guy in ermine to to prostrate yourself before five guys in basic black. It's pathetic. And th this is clearly within the remit of the people. This idea, this, uh, again, on same-sex marriage, Australia had a referendum and they voted for same-sex marriage. And basically all those guys were saying was, uh, yeah, you know, we, we've changed our mind on this. We, we, we didn't really like to think about two blokes uh, going at it in the middle of the outback like, uh, like uh, you know, they used to healthier get lads do with the sheep but we've changed our mind uh, that's more honest that's more honest than this pathetic th oh yes oh yes the uh, drafters of the american constitution cannily foresaw the need for gay marriage uh two centuries hence so they left room for it between the lines in the con this is rubbish and and conservatives are the chumps of the planet for going along with that they should just say if they yeah we've changed our mind yeah trans transgenders that's uh, that's right we want to pump hormones seven-year-old girls who want to be boys okay we're going to pump hormones into them just because we've changed our mind but to pretend it's a constitutional uh, you know it's in the, it's not in the constitution you're bonkers and it does and it and it destroys what's actually in the constitution by 
by this idea of purporting to divine. Oh, yes, we all gather round in the rear chambers of the Supreme Court and we have the draft of the Constitution in the cauldron bubbling away. And then we all take some powders and the room begins to <laughs> smell of incense and we start to divine sentences that aren't actually in the Constitution. And that's what it means to be a nation of laws, boys and girls. It's rubbish, all that. Well, <clears throat> the hope is, and this is uh, one of the hundreds of theories that are circulating around now as to why the leaker leaked. By the way, mm. do you think the leaker will ever be found? Uh, I think I think this depends because the I my own view is that this might well have been leaked by an actual bona fide black robed judge herself. And so if that's uh -huh. the case, and so if that's the case, I think they're going to cover it. I think they'll cover it up. Uh, the other the other if it's a if it's a clerk who leaked leaked it, then uh, that guy's got no legal career, but has a great future. There's a there's a nightly show on MSNBC waiting for that clerk right now if he can start Monday. Well, supposedly Chuck Schumer says the Democrats are infuriated. Lisa Murkowski uh, uh, the, the the rhino Republican is saying that uh, this has rocked her confidence in the court, blah, 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 blah. It's amazing. It's amazing what rocks these people's confidence in the court. The court can come up with all sorts of rulings. The court can yeah. say, oh, it's just lovely, despite the fact that we have a, a, a takings law. We can have a private developer take your damn land and build something on it. Oops, never mind. We don't have the yep. money to build it. Your private land is gone. The Constitution can say that's okay, and these people don't find the least bit trouble in that, even though it violates everything that's in black and white in the Constitution. Well, it's that's amazing. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's that's actually a very good example, James, because that's not abstract like a lot of these issues, freedom of speech or freedom. That's about as real as it gets. This is a republic. It's a self-governing republic. What that means is the citizens of this republic uh, elect some of their representatives to make the laws. And this idea, this perversion of the court, which the founders would be horrified by, that somehow uh, nine, uh, nine judges are actually a super legislature is a perversion of the court's function. The fact that it's a 5-4, you know, 5-4-4-5, so there's always one designated swinger on the court. John, John Roberts <laughs> likes John to... Roberts. Yeah. Yeah, he always, uh, like the, so he's like the supreme intergalactic arbiter of everything. This is completely bonkers. Uh, by this is this is the, if you'd if you'd said to the, if you'd said to the founding fathers, oh, and uh, don't forget to write in the bit about how one of these nine guys is the supreme intergalactic arbiter of everything, because that's that's a really good constitutional proposition right there. I mean, this is this is a this is a perverted and and it's a pitiful way for a self-governing republic. This prostration before these you know, before before a bunch of judges. I've been in front of judges. <laughs> I tell you, I can tell you yeah, yeah. that they're highly, yes, they're highly variable. And so the idea that, oh, yes, oh, yes, this is the judge's, 
The judges have spoken, so you, you can't say anything now. Uh, the, the, you know, she said, uh, Nancy Pelosi, it's almost as if, you know, God had come down and given the tablets to Moses. No, it isn't. <laughs> no, it isn't. You know, who is? So Sonia, Sata, Sonia Sotomayor is Moses. Is that, is that how you're explaining it? This is ludicrous. That's how they explain it. Let me just leave you with this and, and get your thoughts on this. I'm glad you mentioned Pelosi. She's one of them. So we've had Pelosi. Mm-hmm. We've had Schumer. We've had Joe Biden, who, by the way, you know, poor Joe. He slipped today. Mm-hmm. He started talking about how mm-hmm. abortion is actually aborting a child. You're not supposed to use that language if you're a liberal. You're not supposed <laughs> to pretend that they are human beings. And he actually said it, no. aborting a child. So he, he said it. Yeah. Poor Joe. But anyway, yeah. these are the same people. Yeah. I saw these people protesting out there, and I saw the signs. Some of the signs says, one of the signs says, you know, basically keep the government out of my body. It's, which, by the way, this whole mm. it's my body thing, it's not your body. It's someone else's body. That's the whole point of it. It's someone else's body who's inside your body for a brief period of time. That's the whole point of this. But besides that, okay, the, I see the signs that say keep the government out of my body. Keep the government out of my body. And I'm just saying to myself, aren't these the same people who just got through a few minutes ago telling us to put that damn vaccine in our body and, and or lose your job? You're mandated to stick yeah. this in your body. Otherwise, we have the right to hire you. You're mandated to wear this yeah. mask in your body and digest whatever is in this mask, the, the microplastics inside your lungs. These are the same people. Yeah. Yeah, that's a Don't woman's they understand right, the irony in this? No, they're in favor of bodily autonomy for them. But if you want to be a busboy in a New York restaurant, if you want to be in the military, if you want, oh, yeah, you've, got to, you've only had seven jabs. No, 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 you need the eighth booster. That's, that's a charm. You can't have it both ways on so-called bodily autonomy. You, you know, you can't say keep your rosaries off my ovaries, but your rosaries can crawl up and down the guy's arm, the busboy's arm, and stick needles in him all the way up. Up when it comes to the COVID, they they never. This is where this is particularly interesting in a legal context because they never think about first principles. The left, it's all about power. So this is about oh oh yeah bodily autonomy. Uh, keep your keep your hands off my body, and then once they've reversed this, it'll, they'll be back to jabbing you in the arm every twenty minutes. It's all about power with these guys. Absolutely. Mark Stein, as always, thank you, my friend. Appreciate your insights. And uh, we'll look forward to hearing. Do you think this story is still going to be around next week when we chat? Oh, yeah, I think so. I I think this is where they still haven't got the thing where where the Antifa lads rampage through the town, toppling the stories, toppling the statues of uh, white men who opposed abortion in the 16th century. I mean, they've got a they've they've got a long way to go with this yet. We're just we're we're just in part one of what's going to be a long drama. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate you. Thanks, James. WABC, you're listening to Bo Snurley's Rush Hour. We're coming right back after this. Don't go away. Rush. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snurley. Bo Snurley. On 77 WABC. 
77 WABC and Red Apple Media are broadcasting live from Staten Island University Community Park in Staten Island. It's opening day for your Staten Island Ferry Hawks. And we've got a great starting lineup. Go to WABCRadio.com slash baseball and listen to the game starting at 6.30. Now, live from the park, here's Bo Snerdly. 77. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen, Staten Island indeed. BGs, bring us back. If you have never been to this stadium, it is a must. You know, when you bring people into town, they go on a circle, dayline cruise, they do that little circle around New York. By the time they get to the East River, they want to get off the boat. But this one, I'm telling you, you can take the Staten Island over, walk to the stadium, you're here. It is beautiful. And it's my first time here. John, how did you discover? John Casamitidis is here. How did you discover this place? I, I will tell you, this is beautiful. It's like being in small town USA in a beautiful little town of Staten Island. And uh, uh, and then you're, that grass in the... In the stadium, the city just put it in. It's beautiful. And you could look over the, the outfield, and you could see New York. You could see all the large buildings. You could see everything. And it's just your mouth stays open just looking out there. Yeah, I watched the workout, and I got to tell you, oh, put you to shame. I, I got to tell you, I watched these guys working how's, out. How's Kelsey doing? We have one woman... One gal, uh, part of the team. Right, and you also have the son of Roger Clemens. Yes, so we got uh, two for two for so far. I'm telling you. And I'll tell you, today uh, I, I hope the uh, Ferry Hawks have a big win. I do too. They are playing a Lexington, the Lexington Legends. And if they're not legendary after this loss tonight, they will be, hopefully. What is that? In 1814, we took a little trip. <laughs> John, I know this is baseball day, but I just have to ask you, uh, because the big story of the day is this leak at the Supreme Court. Um, what's your take on that? My take is the justices of the Supreme Court uh, did a back take. Uh, they said that we don't want to be in trouble with anybody. Let's send it back to the states and make, let them make the decision. So it's going to go back to the 50 states the way I read it. And each state is going to make their own decision on how they want their state to be. And uh, uh, I was listening last night, and I understand uh, out of uh, 50 states, maybe only three might go uh, against abortion. Well, if you listen to PMSNBC, what you heard was the whole country is going to be. It's a nationwide move, and that's and the, the whole country is not going to be. Our old alone. friend that used to be president. Oh, our old friend. What did he say? They're full of crap. Exactly. Exactly. Now, now, there are 26 states that may have some regulation so far. And if Roe v. Wade is overturned, it will trigger automatically in, I believe, anywhere from 8 to 10 states, more restrictions. But let me, you, you mentioned something very deep, which was it goes back to the states. A lot of people that don't study our Constitution, that don't realize we are a constitutional republic, do not understand that that is the way 
our government was designed. It was designed so that there would be differences in states. The states were considered to be laboratories of democracy. One state could have a law. Look at California. California still understands this. California makes laws that the rest of us shake our heads at. They don't care. They make those I, laws. I, and I they looked make at more. I looked at a gas uh, uh, station this morning in California. It was seven ninety nine. So uh, let them keep doing what they're doing to themselves. <laughs> I mean, they're nuts. They're nuts. <laughs> wow. Okay. So let's talk about let's talk about baseball. One more. This anything you want. Okay. I want to know. Play ball. I want to know. You got the ticket prices here. You could do the whole season here for under $700. Do you know you can't go to the rodent kingdom with your family and get in for less than $1,000 a day? $700 a day. Maybe, right. You know, over here, you know, I think the tickets are like $15 a piece. And, and I just bucks. had, Bo, Bo, I just had two, to sustain me, you know, I had two Nathan's Franks. Oh, my gosh. You know what that's worth? Oh, my God, that was so good. Did you have any Nathan's Franks? I didn't have any. You know I'm a vegetarian. Right. Oh my he does this to me all the time. You know I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> Yo, know, when you're in Staten Island, I, we give you an, uh, an exception when you're in Staten Island. <laughs> yeah. I was in Brooklyn and Coney Island looking at How'd this. How would you um, like Coney Island? Coney Island is awesome. They have this new development over there that, you know, you go up, you look, you're looking over out into the Atlantic Ocean. And you're looking at the beach, and it's just one of the most wonderful and, scenes. And you know what yeah. I certified? Anybody that, that rented an apartment in there, I certified you breathe in that ocean air, and you will live 10 years longer. Boom. Certified. Dr. John. Dr. John. Sounds like a rock band, right? Certified. <laughs> so what are you expecting this year to look like for the Ferry Hawks? Well... I said to everybody, forget about how the season began. We're just doing practice, the games. The season begins today. All right, let's hit the phones. Peter, Staten Island. Hey, we're here next to you, Peter. Where are you, bud? We have a phone call from Staten Island. It's you, Peter. What's on your mind? Hey, Bob. Hey, John. I'm getting ready to come out to the game. I was there this afternoon. I picked up my tickets. The tickets are so reasonable. And looking forward to it and looking forward to seeing all you guys out there. And I predict a win today. Every time I go to an opener, which I don't do too often because I'm always busy working, uh, they win. Always it's like it I makes it, it makes me remember someone. this is the big opener of the new team on Staten Island and the stadium is beautiful. The the grass is so green. And you know, it reminds me when my grandfather took me to my first game. I was six, I was six years old, and and I remember my grandfather saying to me, and we were in the upper 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 stand, yeah. you know, and we, we the nosebleed section, and uh, my gra- Mickey Mantle came to bat, and my grandfather says, "I like that guy." Man, you know what? Everybody I remember remembers his words. Their, everybody remembers their first game. So your first game was at Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium in the upper, upper, upper deck. So was mine in the bleachers. Yeah. My first game. And guess See, what? I must, Number- have, I must have been in a better neighborhood because the bleachers were even cheaper than the upper, <laughs> upper, upper deck. In the bleachers, Mickey Mantle was uh, on the team. Whitey Ford was on the team. Uh, Joe Pepitone was on that team. That team. Pepitone, was- he didn't come till later on. You're a young guy. 
I, I remember it was Moose Garin on first base and Bobby Richardson on second. Bobby Richardson. And Tony Kubek on Tony shortstop. Kubek. Yep. Cleet Boyer at, at uh, playing third base, catching either Elson Howard or, or Yogi Berra, and either Whitey Ford uh, throwing or, or uh, who else? Outfield. You had Mickey Mantle in center. You Roger had, Maris. Yes, Roger Maris in what, right? Right field. And left field, Hank Bauer. <laughs> what a team. Or Hector Lopez came later. Yeah, it was a that great That was team. a team of teams. And then, of course, I lived in Queens, so later on, after the Yankee deal, we got a chance to go see the New York Mets. And um, I remember the year that they, we, we went to some of the games the year that they won the series. We had bought tickets early, so we were able to actually get into some of those games. There's nothing like, you know, I don't go to baseball games often. So when I came here today and watched these guys on the field, I tell you what, what a, if you have ever experienced in your life, it brings it all right back to you. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you go to, out to a ball game either in the afternoon or at night, and you want to know something? You have a hot dog and you have a little bit of soda or, well, I drink water these days, so I don't drink soda anymore. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you say uh, thank you for uh, thank you God for I'm alive. Amen to that. And you and you relax. You relax. Absolutely, Mike, Middletown, New Jersey. Welcome WABC Talk Radio seventy seven. What's on your mind, bro? Hi, James. Hi, John. Love the station. By the way, it's great that Mark Stein was mentioning Manhattan. That is the jingle for seventy seven WABC. The last line. We'll take an aisle of Manhattan. That's where it comes from. I'll take well Manhattan, Yo, Staten Island, yes. too. Jingle 77 WABC comes from. Anyway, absolutely. My, my, my point is, I, I think the leak, as Mark correctly mentioned, is probably from the wise Latina herself, uh, Sona Sotomayor. She's the most political of the justices, and I'm willing to bet she probably gave it to her clerk to leak out. because okay, she's here, here's what I want to do, though. As my, I love you, but I'm going to stop you. Listen, I love you. First of all, I don't want to get into speculating who did a leak without any evidence. And I think it's unfair. I think it borders on slander to accuse people of things without any proof of this. Now, there was on Twitter someone that established a link between one of Soto Sotomayor's clerks and the person from Politico that actually received the information and wrote it. But that link was a long time. And even that. Even he didn't go or she didn't go so far as to say, okay, this is proof. We have to be, I think we should all be very judicious in how we accuse people of things. And whether that's Sonia Sotomayor, whether it's any of the others or not. There's also a theory, by the way, that the leak came from a conservative clerk because they wanted to shore up the justices that might be wavering. So people have got all kind of theories about this. But I just want to be careful before we absolutely accuse, and I don't want to get into that kind of guessing game. Um, let me just say this also before we have to, to tip off to a break. Um, one of the things that I think we're going to learn as time goes on is not only who the leaker is and what motivated them, but we're going to get a good example to see whether it actually has the impact that's desired. I don't think it will, and I'll tell you why. Right now, everybody's emotions are over the roof with this. We're a long way away from November. A lot can happen. By November, how many other news stories are going to happen? I'm not sure how it changes that much. Nothing's going to happen right now. Right. And every state gets the right to determine what's, uh, what's for their state. 
So the Supreme Court didn't veto anything. They're just saying, hey, not our responsibility. It's supposed to be the state's responsibility. Yeah, and this was bad law. Now, let me just say with that, too, by the time they rule, which is the end of this term is supposed to be in late June, early July, first week of July, late June, this term comes. And then, by the way, bye-bye, Justice Bright, bye. And then enter in uh, Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson, who doesn't know what a woman is, which is a little odd. But anyway, um, when this t- happens, as it, it probably will be the, I don't know when it's going to be. It might be the last ruling. They usually leave the biggest case to the last ruling of the, of the uh, term. If that follows suit, and if this is the last ruling of the term, put yourself there. Here we are at the end of June, July. Ruling comes out. Anybody's going to say, like, yeah, we knew. We knew this in May. Anticlimactic. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley with you here. Bo Snurley's Rush Hour. We're coming right back after this. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurley. Rush. On 77 WABC. 77 WABC and Red Apple Media are broadcasting live from Staten Island University Community Park in Staten Island. It's opening day for your Staten Island Ferry Hawks. And we've got a great starting lineup. Go to WABCRadio.com slash baseball and listen to the game starting at 630. Now, here's Bo Snerdley and John Katsimatidis. WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York and worldwide. We're here for the opening home game of the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. You got to be here, folks. This is an awesome stadium, awesome environment. Great day. I'm here with John Casamichitas, who you are one of the owners of this team. Well, the, the, the Yankees own 15%. I own 42.5%, and Eric Schiffler owns 42.5%. It's a wonderful deal. You're going to buy the Yankees after this? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, when I was growing up, uh, I used to dream about buying the Yankees someday. Uh, but uh, when the Yankees called me up and, and, and said to me, we want you to be a partner in the, in the uh, team in uh, Staten Island, I said, how do you say no to the Yankees? Boom. I love it. Uh, John, we've got some sad news. Um, what happened? This is very sad, actually. And folks, uh, you brace yourselves, please. I don't know how this could happen, but it did. Um, a wild fox, wild, broke into Washington, D.C.'s National Zoo and went on a rampage. Serial murder. Murder. The wild fox murdered 25 flamingos. 25 of those beautiful pink wow. guys. That means they, they didn't kill to eat. They killed for the for the, kill for for, the, for the sake of, for the joy of... I know a few guys like that that do that. I, I don't mean, know anybody like know? that that I'm going to admit to on the air. Well. <laughs> um, but that he wasn't sad. I love animals. You know what Me I stopped too. eating? What? I stopped eating octopuses. You know an octopus has the... Uh, uh, the uh, age of um, the mental age of an eight-year-old. I didn't know that. I'm not eating any more octopus. I never ate an octopus, and so well, I didn't then, miss it. Then we both win. We both win. But but guess what? That wild fox, his killing spree wasn't over. 
killed 25 flamingos and then went for a duck. Quack. Got the duck, too. So today, according to The Hill, the zoo is devastated there in mourning. The loss of 25 American flamingos. Flamingos. Not, not foreign flamingos. American. They were American flamingos. And... Well, are we going to announce when the funeral is? I don't know. We've got to find out. And one northern pintail duck. Very I don't know sad. how we're going to survive this, folks. I just very, very sad. Yeah. Flamingo steaks tonight somewhere in the world. <laughs> what? I'm not eating it. You're a vegetarian. I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> I ate the Nathan's uh, hot dog. I admit it. Guilty. <laughs> The Smithsonian, I'm not making fun of this, folks. I'm almost in tears. The Smithsonian says this is the first time a predator has breached the flamingo enclosure, which has been a feature at the zoo since the 70s. There'll be sad songs. This is just heartbreaking. A heartbreaking loss for all of us. Let's head back to the telephones. Christine, Manhattan, you're on with John Casamichitis, James Golden, his post Nerdly's Rush Hour. What's on your mind, Christine? Hello, gentlemen. I spent uh, COVID taking the ferry to Staten Island and shopping and eating Indian food. And when it finally opened, the Staten Island Zoo, nothing is better. And I just want to tell everyone, if you're going to go see the game, plan on shopping the best outlets. And, and they're spacious. It's just, it's just wonderful. And I thank you so much, Mr. Casamassini, for making that stadium open. It was so sad, just naked. And I suggest do wild bird of prey shows there. They wow! Are great. Okay. Sounds good. I was going to get the uh, the picture to 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 be dropped in by parachute just to make it some excitement. That's cool. That's cool. Now you know what. Would that be exciting if, if the if the picture drops in by parachute? Yeah, you know what'd be even cooler. What? To have a flamingo parade. Well, let's do it. And a fox. <clears throat> Somebody <laughs> had to shoot the fox. <laughs> you know, I don't know whether they, the fox might still be alive, wandering around out there looking for its next meal, or a certain murderer, murder, because it's just plain murder in the animal kingdom. Uh, let us go. Pennsylvania, Mike, welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77. How are you, Mike? I'm all right. I'm going to laugh at my socks. I'm going to laugh at No, it's Donald. It's not Mike. Somebody heard me talking about the Rodent Kingdom and actually got the boss, well, the, the underboss of the Rodent Kingdom on the line, Daffy. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Let's go to Michael in New Brunswick. Hello, Michael. You're on WABC Talk Radio 77. That's right. And it's cheaper to come here than to go to the Rodent Kingdom. So if you were planning mm-hmm. on going to the Rodent Kingdom, instead, save a lot of money. Come here. Go ahead. Hello, Bo. And Mr. Katina. You got it. Listen. Mr. Ho. Have a nice hot dog. I want you to have a hot dog for me. Please put mustard on it. That Nathan's. I will go have an extra Nathan's hot dog. You know, whatever was allocated to Bo, and he can't eat it because he's a vegetarian, we're going to eat it for him. Thank you. And I got a special song for you for tonight. Listen. What's the song? You know what? Crappy phone line. We can't hear it. We'll try it next time. Ralph, New Rochelle, welcome to WABC Talk Radio 7. How are you? 
I'm well, Mr. Golden, and hello, Mr. Casamitidis. I'm just wondering, I know the case of abortion is very important, but do you think people should realize leaking from the Supreme Court is even more of an issue, especially if there's other cases that they're going to be ruling on? How could they allow this to happen? Washington, Washington is a dump. Okay? How many, you know, how many, what percentage of the people believe what any congressman says? Hmm. Very few. Very few. Very few. Very few. Well, let me take You know, it's not against the law. If you're, if you're in Congress or in the Senate and you're on the floor, you can lie and not get That's sued. That's exactly right. How, how can that be? You, you know, you can lie. You can tell lies and not get sued. Exactly right. And, and not held accountable by anybody. The FBI's not going to arrest you for telling lies on the floor of the Congress. Unless, uh, uh, unless you're a Republican. Oh, you go directly to jail, do not pass go, do not collect $200. Right, because that's the way this, you mentioned the FBI, just let me mention something to you. If you go back and you think about the resources that the FBI had to look at for January 6th, they went through every Facebook page of almost every American. They matched them up with every single one of these people that entered the Capitol. They went through social media. They put up snitch lines. They did whatever they had to do. They're still bringing in people that walked in the building, United States Capitol, on January 6th. Now, but who, op- Bo, who opened the doors? The Capitol Police did. I know that, but why isn't anybody saying it? Because Nobody because broke they... down those doors. We didn't have a, a, a bulldozer to break down those doors. We didn't have a tank to break down those doors. I've seen the video. The Capitol Police opened Open the, doors the doors and let them in. Right. I saw it in real time. And I actually commented on it. Wow, they're opening the doors and letting these people in. All so, we want on WABC is the, the truth, truth and nothing but the truth. The so truth. help me God. So here's my question. Are, will the same FBI and Department of Justice, the, the, the corrupt Department of Justice, and if you want to know why I'm saying it's corrupt. Well, the, I'm going to tell you how I feel. The, the, the Christopher Ray, who is the director of the FBI, has a 10-year term. Nobody can fire him. He could stand up. He could stand up and make sure the right thing is done for every American people by every FBI agent, and make sure the political ones, the political ones, don't influence uh, the FBI in any direction politically. Well, I think it's too late for that, frankly, and I think the FBI is all political all the time, and that's one of the reasons why this person was at the Met Gala last night wearing. Um, this uh, this uh, whatever burgundy dress instead of orange instead of an orange jumpsuit. But I'm not gonna go there until tomorrow. We're here. Have a great night, John. Thank you so much, ladies Play and gentlemen. Ball. God bless you and your families. 77 WABC and Red Apple Media are broadcasting live from Staten Island University Community Park in Staten Island. It's opening day for your Staten Island Ferry Hawks, and we've got a great starting lineup. Go to WABCRadio.com slash baseball and listen to the game starting at 6.30. Now, live from the park, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Casamitidis. Uh, it must be 5 o'clock, and it's 5 o'clock somewhere, as they say. We're out here in Staten Island in, in the stadium, and what a beautiful stadium. And on this side of the fence, we have uh, 
uh, Congressman Peter King. How are you, Peter? John, it's great to be here with you. Great to be here with you. The guy you had introduced. And next. Sid Rosenberg. That's how are you, Sid? <laughs> I am great. How, how can we have a ball game without Sid Rosenberg? <laughs> how can you yeah. do anything without Sid Rosenberg? Uh, thank you, Peter. It's the first and, and, time I've been to this stadium. I must tell you, it is a gorgeous setting. Beautiful. My God, water right across the way here. Beautiful, brand new stadium. Very exciting place to watch a baseball game. And Thanks for having me. You low Manhattan, right behind right. Yeah, field. gorgeous. Great, yeah. And in the studio, I think Lydia Serrani is quarterbacking. Lydia, how are you doing back in the studio? I'm doing well, sir. But is it quarterbacking since it's baseball? What would that mean? Am I pinch hitter? Is, is that the right terminology <laughs> no, <you're>, there? <laughs> you were in the bullpen and you yes. came in. There you Dad, go. I'm ready to go. You already worked three hours today. How, you, how was it? Uh, I love it. Are you kidding me? We love to do this. We love to talk. And you, you should see my shoes. They're great shoes. I wore them. I'll wear them again really? tomorrow so you can see them. I, I, I'm sorry I missed the shoes. <laughs> but, but, but I did have two uh, Nathan's Franks today, and I, uh, uh, you know, I was thinking of Coney Island. I'm oh, jealous. Yeah. I think your record you told me is four. You told me one time you had four. No, I had two already. Two already. You never know. I might have two more for dinner. <laughs> That's uh, my dinner. No, no, I no. I had one. It was delicious. No. No more hot dogs. <laughs> without the, I have it without the bun. No, right. Sid told me the kosher hot dogs, they couldn't have been better. They were great. That's true. That's true. I had one myself. It was terrific. So, But I know we've got a, a very, very, very special guest on the phone. In fact, he was on earlier this morning with uh, me and Bernie. So he's making his second appearance on the, of the day the with you guys. Report. Yeah, that's right. So take it away, Lydia. Uh, Professor Dershowitz, just a couple of decades at Harvard Law, and he's a constitutional scholar and expert, a Brooklyn boy at heart. And what better day to have him on than today, considering that leak from the Supreme Court? Welcome to Cats at Night once again, Professor Dershowitz. Well, thanks. I'm looking at my window and I see the tower for the Verrazano Bridge. So I feel myself practically in Staten Island uh, with you. And, <laughs> and I've always wanted to be the bridge. I've always wanted to be the leadoff batter. So I'm the leadoff guest on your show tonight. And uh, maybe next time I'll do cleanup. But um, I'm a great baseball fan, as you know. Went to a lot of Brooklyn Dodger games. Met Jackie Robinson, Pee Wee Reese, Gil Hodges. Uh, You know, I I own a Brooklyn Dodger 1955 World Series ring, the one that was owned by Don Zimmer. So I'm a baseball fanatic. Yeah, he actually played second base on that team. People don't realize that, the great skipper Don Zimmer. That was the only time they beat the Yankees in 55. Well, Alan and I are old enough to remember when the Yankees used to win every year. They did. The yeah. That 55 series well, they won was phenomenal. 10 in a row, right? Yeah. So far, they, yeah. they won 10 in a row. Yeah, but those World Series games, it broke Dodger fans' hearts. Oh, oh they had the, but that was it. They had the logo in Ebbets Field. And, yep. You know, yeah. Don Zimmer started at second base because Jackie Robinson was injured, but then they put Robinson That's in right. so he could be on the field when Padres pitched that last pitch. And I have a picture yep. hanging in my office of Roy Campanella hugging Padres the moment mm. the World Series was finally over. So I went to high school yeah, for the El- field. It's sort of, actually, I went to Brooklyn Prep, which was, I guess, four blocks to the east of Ebbets Field. Right yeah, off, uh, right. I was on Nostrand Avenue. Right there. And, of yeah. course, that was, uh, Ebbets was and on Flappish, uh, right by Brooklyn I College. I was on Bedford and President Street, and then to college, I just went down the block, Bedford Avenue. Yeah, right down the block. Yeah, Brooklyn College. That was it, yeah. No, it well. That was one of my four stops as well, Brooklyn College. Let's get to the big story of the day. That is the the leak that uh, the Supreme Court now is poised to overturn 
Roe versus Wade. We asked you this well, this morning. They're not overturning anything. They're just turning it back to the state. Well, that's true. That's true. But before we get to that part, which you're right about, John, let's talk about two things here. A, is that authentic, this leak you think that we're hearing about? Yes. And, uh, and secondly, who do you think is the, the person responsible for the leak? Well, I don't know the name of the person, but I think it was probably a law clerk who was so upset at the prospect of Roe versus being overruled that he or she was prepared to put their own career at risk and engage in what they believe was an act of civil disobedience, desperate, desperate times, need desperate means. Um, if they catch him, the person will be disbarred uh, probably and uh, not be able to practice law, but will be a hero. To at least some people for doing this. I think the purpose of the leak was to try to get the reality changed, to try to get maybe uh, Chief Justice Roberts to be able to persuade Kavanaugh, one of the other justices, to go along and just limit Roe versus Wade, uphold the Mississippi uh, restriction on abortion, but not actually go and overrule Roe versus Wade, because that's not required to decide the case that's before them. That would be judicial activism and overreaching, in my view. Well, Justice Roberts said this afternoon that that, that uh, the leak is real and the yeah. material was was real, but it's still in the early stages, and everybody was just circulating it around, and, yeah, they, nah. you know, it's just a draft. Don't, don't you know, a lot of don't things change. Yeah. Now, now this, sound, this seems like a pretty final decision, and I think it's going to be the law unless some change occurs by one or two justices um, it seems authentic, and, um, I, and you know, things do change, but not as dramatically as this, unless you can get. Yeah. I think Kavanaugh is the key, because I think Roberts is going to concur separately, but not overrule Roe versus Wade. But I think Kavanaugh is the key. Alan, uh, I, I would never get in a debate with you, and I'm probably on the other side of this issue, but one thing I agree with you on, to me, this, this, the Supreme Court was the one institution in government that seemed shielded from the uh, craziness of politics. Obviously, it's political, but I never heard of a leak from the Supreme Court. We have had leaks from the White House, from the CIA, the FBI, the Pentagon, obviously from Congress. But the Supreme Court, that's the one place I never heard of interference. I never heard of anything being leaked at all. So this is really a shocker. I mean, the average person probably thinks, you know, leaks happen all the time. Not from the Supreme Court. That is really, that's like a priest and confessional or a rabbi's, you just don't do that. And it's it's a turning point. I was a law clerk on the Supreme Court. We were pledged to secrecy. I've been following the Supreme Court for years. There have been some leaks previously, but never before a decision came down. Right. The leaks that occurred were after a decision comes down, somebody tells somebody, well, you know, originally Justice Marshall right. went this way, but then he changed his mind. There's some disclosure maybe of what's gone on in the court, but never before in history has a decision of this magnitude been leaked before it was decided. And I think we're going to see tremendous efforts to find the leaker, but that's going to raise a real problem because even if they manage to subpoena the journalist, the journalist is going to plead journalistic privilege, then the courts will have to decide it, and the journalist may decide he or she is going to go to jail rather than reveal the privilege. We're we're just at the beginning of a major event involving the Supreme Court. It was a very bad day for the Supreme Court, and Chief Justice Roberts, a law student, was very upset. Yeah. He should be, and and, and he's also very much of an 
institutionalist. I think he's probably more conservative as a jurist, but as, as chief judge, he, he feels an obligation to the institution. I remember Absolutely. the book came out about 20, 25 years ago called The Brethren. And that, then the, uh, the leaks were like, you know, this judge didn't like that one or this one. There was nothing at all that uh, would, again, affect a future decision the way this does or a pending decision. Well, talking about the decision, getting back to what John... Yeah, that was the beginning. Yeah, no. I mean, there were all kind of rumors that uh, a journalist had an inside source in the Supreme Court by one of the justices and uh, and got some inside information. But it was only after the fact, not before decisions right. came down. To John's point that he made earlier about it being overturned, not everybody is as savvy as Alan Dershowitz or Peter King, for that matter. Lots of people listen to the station, listen to me on WFIN 20 years ago. They're just getting into politics. So on a serious note, the, the overturn, if you want to call it that, all it means, Alan, is now it's up to the states. Living here in New York, it's not going to be difficult for a young girl to get an no. abortion. Same thing in New Jersey. Now, if you're in yeah, Texas, Texas, that would be a different story. It's different in Texas. Now, of course, there are new abortion pills. And the question is whether or not the court will allow abortion, uh, whether the states will allow abortion clinics to give out pills. Um, you know, this is going to affect poor people, uh, minority people m- mostly, and from states that are rural and poor. Um, not so much in Texas and even Florida. Even though they may ban abortion, there'll be efforts to try to get pills to people. But when you get to r- rural Arkansas and Mississippi, there's going to there's going to be some backroom abortions and there'll be some endangerment to the health of people. You say leave it to the states. Well, you know, then the next step is what about leaving gay marriage to the states? What about leaving uh, other issues of great importance to the states? What about leaving gun control to the states? You know, the Supreme Court has held no. There's an absolute bar on preventing people from owning guns, uh, even though New York would like to have a more restrictive gun law. So there are some rules that the Constitution says applies to everybody and some rules that differ from state to state. And the question is, where does this fall? Well, New York, would uh, the, the people of New York would like to have a more uh, liberal gun law. They want, to, you know, they want their right to carry a gun. They want a right to protect their families. And they want a right to protect their businesses. Yeah, I think what well, Alan was saying, sure. though— yeah, yeah the Supreme, oh, Alan can speak for himself, but he's basically saying that the Supreme Court is saying that they can tell the states what to do in some cases and in others they won't. And how do you make that distinction? You're right. That's the hard well, question. Guess, and the hard, yeah. I guess I think that we're, we're being called from the outfield. We have to take a break. No, but look, Alan Dershowitz, you're the anything, best. So please, yeah, thank you. Take care. <laughs> thank you All right, so much. Take thank you, Alan Always Dershowitz. great, Alan. Thank you. Let's go to that break, Lydia, and uh, we'll come back and uh, we'll figure out who we have next. Broadcasting live from Staten Island University Community Park in Staten Island, it's opening day for your Staten Island Ferry Hawks. Go to wabcradio.com slash baseball and listen to the game starting at 6.30. Now live from the park, here's John Katsimatidis. Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Cats at Night Show. I'm holding down the fort here in New York City. And who do we have at the ballpark there? Well, Lydia, we've got uh, another trio. We just uh, had, uh, well, really, we had a foursome with me, you, John, 
and Peter King. Really a fivesome when you include Alan Dershowitz on the phone. But Congressman Peter King is still here. John just went out to cut the ceremonial red ribbon. Big uh, moment at every ballpark. He's out there now with Borough President Vito Pacella, his beautiful wife Margot, his beautiful daughter AJ, and a host of others. So it's me, Peter King, Lydia, and one of our stars on our music weekends, a kid that I first met literally two weeks ago on the Bernie and Sid show. I'm a big fan of his now. And that is uh, Vinny Madunia, who does a terrific job on Saturdays. Vinny, how are you, pal? I'm great. I love being uh, able to be here with all of you tonight in my backyard of Staten Island. It's so awesome. Are you a uh, big baseball fan? I am a big local baseball fan. What I does that it. mean? Like, I love to come to all the games here because I think it's really cool. This team has been here for about 15 no, minutes. No, 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 but since this, uh, <laughs> oh, Sid's starting to abuse me well, already in my hometown. What are you talking about? I, I've been here since it was a Staten Island Yankees. Oh, but you don't like the real Metro Yankees? You're just a Yeah, local. I do. I do. Yeah. You know. Not much. It's not, yeah. it's not one of your things. It's cool. I, I've You're sang, a music guy. Yeah, I've sang the national anthem in this field. I've done God Bless America. So this field's a little wow. special to me. It's nice to be back here. And to see um, it prospering once again. And when you say that, I'm not surprised because as we found out a couple of weeks ago, me and Bernard, you're a man of many, many talents. You can sing, uh, you can dance, you play music, he you, was you also can host on a radio TV. show. He was on reality oh, TV. What, what, yeah, what I show was that, Lydia? I saw an episode where you were like looking at houses or something, Vinny, because I look at. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was cute. It was adorable. And your parents, they're so cute. And you and uh, Cousin Brucey, the relationship you guys have, it's just, it's so adorable. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, we did. There was a show that HGTV put out this past summer called oh, The 40 Year Old Property Virgin. Oh, that's okay. what it was, yes. And basically, <laughs> that's all we watch at home. Me and Danielle, it's HGTV. That's it. We just bought a new house, and that's all we watch. Right. I'm a Staten Island mama's boy that lives at home and eats <laughs> yeah. good cooking. What, you know, the, the premise of the show is they were looking to see if somebody close to age 40 wants to move out of the house. I'm not looking to go anywhere. I'm living in my inheritance. I told you it was stupid. Just right? stay there until right? they throw you out. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, so <laughs> yeah. basically, the resolve on the episode was I'm not moving out. I'm building a second level on the house. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Isn't did that you great? do that? Did you actually build a second level? We're, we're in talks about it right now. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Vinny, by the way, is on at uh, 5 o'clock every Saturday right before Cousin Brucey, part of that blockbuster lineup. Vinny, Brucey, Tony Orlando, Joe Piscopo, that, uh, that great Dina Martin, music yeah. weekend. Dina Martin. That, that's, I think that's your favorite of the whole bunch. You're a, you're a Dean Martin guy, aren't you, Peter? I was always suave and sophisticated like Dean Martin. No, you don't know. You don't know. <laughs> I was one of those Irish guys who summed along. You know, Vinny, I can see he's got all the moves. He's all said, said, you're sort of, you know, sort of got the moves. Yeah, right? sort of. I can go either way. That's the beauty about me. I can go <laughs> Dean Martin. I can go Vinny Maduna. I can you do can all go that. either yeah. way? What? Yeah, I, I should take that back. It is 2020, <laughs> Lydia. Lydia, right, Lydia. I should know better. <laughs> you know what, Lydia, while you're on the phone, being that you do really uh, host this show most days, and uh, we did start with Roe versus Wade, and we did have the, the great Thurshaw, which on. Uh, but I think folks would love to hear your opinion, especially as a female. I know you're pro-life. I'm pro-choice. Let me get that out there. I'm pro-choice. Always have been. I'm very, very, li- uh, very liberal when it comes to social matters, uh, gay marriage, pro-choice. I'm for all that. Uh, how do you feel about this, uh, this decision? Well, I think the leak itself was completely egregious. I think it's a threat to democracy. I think whoever did this, they should be persecuted per- persecuted, and prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. But I'm sure that person doesn't care if they're disbarred because they'll just become the next star of MSNBC since Rachel Maddow just is only going to work one day a week now. So they'll get this multi-million dollar contract with either CNN or 
MSNBC. Listen, uh, abortion itself, I think it's a very gray situation. And what about the pills? And I do think it, though, it does need to be regulated. I think, uh, you know, here in New York, you know, you can kill a baby even after birth. You can kill it all the way up to birth. I mean, that to me is murder. I talked about it with Congressman King. And I think it if you're going to give people a choice, and I understand abortion will always exists. It's been around since the beginning of time. It was even around for the Egyptians. And God only knows, probably before Christ, you name it, they would rub things down there to make sure they couldn't get pregnant or got rid of the baby or whatever. And so certain women, they do need that safe alternative However, I I believe that if you are going to have a choice that it only should be done in the first trimester at most, because women do know definitely by the first trimester, the most women. But, you know, I also realize even though my religious beliefs is pro-life and and I believe in, you know, babies and all all those great things, not everybody has the same values that align with mine. And so we live in a democracy and we have to give people, uh, you know, a choice of, of some sort. Correct. So I, oh, I you're right. Congressman yeah. King, you were, you know, we were talking about this before and right. people don't realize, like, maybe this has happened for a reason because we shouldn't be killing babies up until birth. OK. Yeah, I think uh, word went too far. I think the mistake at the start was letting the Supreme Court make the decision because really they made a legislative decision. They really come up with a constitutional right that never existed before. Uh, they thought that there should be abortions. So they found a way to. Uh, uh, enable it, but uh, to me it would have been a lot better and a lot less controversy in the country if this had gone through a legislative process. I would vote on debate in the different states, and then people would have felt they'd come to a consensus, and even though you know you and I are pro-life, we could understand why it maybe wouldn't be as, as good as we liked it. On the other hand, those who are pro-choice would realize it's not all they wanted, but at least there could have been a national compromise as it was. Basically, Roe versus Wade is given almost like a free ride uh, and again, like in New York, you can have an abortion after the baby is born. And I don't yeah. think that's what most people want. But anyway, no. I think now this back in, you know, have it debated, have it, have it in the legislature. And it's, uh, again, it's going to be tough times for the, some people in the country. But overall, I, again, I, if, if, if that opinion becomes the, the law, I'll, I'll be very happy with I it. Think, I think that's fair. And by the way, a lot of folks do think it's bad law, even people like me, which pro-choice. Uh, you can make an argument that was a bad law either way. So, you know, you look at the programming throughout the day, Vinny. And we discussed this uh, for four hours this morning, along with the conflict that's going on in Ukraine, Russia, inflation. I mean, it's one depressing story after another. If I don't throw in something about my son or my daughter with Bernard, you literally want to kill yourself after every show. Eric Adams, he's a disaster. Kathy Hochul, she's worse. You have to be thrilled to death that your choice is, am I going to play right now Frank Sinatra or Tony Bennett? Can I say, what a blessing to have Vinny here to put some joy into the Right, oh, right. Well, I appreciate that, and I think Even that if that's... Even we Irish guys think we're the best, but, you know, Vito Fasella told me i got to support that. Yeah, that's By right. the way, you got to do here, too. You may be on a third in and, this, so... You know, Sid's closer to the Italian side, so that's you're right. outnumbered here. <laughs> no, but all kidding aside, um, you know, I was just going to say that I think eventually, and I hope, that the pendulum swings back the other way. I, I think that things eventually do get better. You know, um, it, it, there is a lot of heavy stuff that's out there today. Listen, I'm a high school teacher, so a lot yeah. of this stuff affects my kids, too, in what's going on with mental health-wise connected to all this stuff. And, you know, even these, these heavy topics like abortion, sometimes we have students in the school that get into situations yeah. where this comes up, and, you know, you try to advise them as best as you can. It's very, very difficult. And it's tough that we've had COVID, which makes the emotional issues you're much, you're much worse for the kids. I mean, that whole thing of kids being locked away for a year and a half, wearing masks, not being able to sit and even eat with each other. 
To me, it's definitely it has to affect it, mental and social development. One of the things that I, I actually joke about uh, dealing closely with students is sometimes these people on Capitol Hill, in Senate, in public office, they should just let a bunch of students reason in front of them at the table, and they'll see there's better solutions to the problems and to the issues than some of the stuff that they come up with. That's now, true. Now, I, in I a more, in, more important pressing issue, the Met Gala said. Um, yeah. What did you? <laughs> what did you, you know, think funny. of Kim Kardashian's dress? I, 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 I wasn't a fan. I wasn't a fan. You know, Gina, who works in our, um, I guess it's social media or graphics. You, you know who she is, Lydia. Yes, she's, she's a adorable. very talented young lady. So she grabbed one of the photos I uh, that, that I did on the. You saw that on the FLG photo it. shoot with Joseph Abood. And she put the backdrop of the Met Gala behind me. They're not ready for you, Sid. Oh, they weren't ready. That's right. right. And it's on the ABC and Bernie and Sid page. And it said, Sid Rosenberg taking over the Met Gala last night. And it almost looked like I belong. That's how good Joseph Abud is. No, you do belong. Or that's how good you looked. Well, but but I'll tell you what's, what's funny about that story is that you mentioned Kim Kardashian. And, of course, her boyfriend right now is Pete Davidson. Yes. And here we are at the Staten Island Ferry Hawk Baseball Stadium. And most people don't know this. He is a part owner of this baseball team and may, in fact, be here tonight with Roger Clemens and Kim Kardashian. It's worth a trip to Staten Island. I think also, he's going to be there. I'm, went, I'm betting Kim will be there. Pete Davidson and I went to the same college, St. Francis College. I don't know why Kim Kardashian picked him instead of me. <laughs> 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 because because he was available, you're not. Uh, you have that gorgeous uh, wife. Uh, gorgeous so, wife. You know the fun fun thing, fun fact about Pete Davidson. His last movie that he just did, The King of Staten Island. I love that movie. Which is really me. I'm the King of Staten Island. But that's yes, another you are. story. Yes, you are. Uh, Sid, oh, wait, you don't tell me. Yeah. So and Frank Morano thinks he is, and John Tobacco thinks he is, and Joe Morelli thinks he is. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Pete Davidson shot movie next door to my house. Is that right? Really? Yes, wow. I got to really know him over the course of the two months that they filmed, and he's actually a really great guy. No, he's a jerk. Uh, check okay. out the movie. It's a great movie. He's great. Marissa Tomei is great. Bill Burr She's is great. Awesome. I'm sorry. Uh, Lydia, take us to a break, will you, sweetheart? Well, on that note, I I, did you ever think we'd hear that those words on the Cats at Night show? Probably not. Okay. Well, no, we, no. well I'm here. Yeah. Well, we got to take a break, and when we come back, we'll be speaking with a Michael Cutler, and he's a former INS agent. We're going to talk about the crisis at the border that has now become a national crisis. Keep it right here on WABC. You talk, we listen. This is Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC Sports, celebrating 100 years of bringing you great moments in baseball history from the World Series in 1921. So here now is Babe Ruth to Howard Cosell. Hello again, everyone. Howard Cosell to broadcasting Yankees baseball. And now, another great moment in baseball history. Ricky goes, a pitch taken, he's going to have it, he does, Ricky Henderson, no contest, steals third base, jerks the bag from its moorings, and holds it aloft, representing number 939, Ricky pounds it with his left fist, hands it to equipment manager Frank Sinchek, who gives him a big hug. 77 WABC and Red Apple Media are broadcasting live from Staten Island University Community Park in Staten Island. It's opening day for your Staten Island Ferry Hawks. And we've got a great starting lineup. 
Go to WABCRadio.com slash baseball and listen to the game starting at 6.30. Now, live from the park, here's John Katsimatidis. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night Show. We are I'm broadcasting live here from the New York City station here in Midtown Manhattan. But back at the stadium, we've got Sid Rosenberg, Congressman Peter King, and the star of is it Sunday nights at five o'clock? Correct, Vinny Madunio, who who he's the prince of Staten Island. Correct, Vinny. Vinny got up, and right now I'm sitting here. Oh, John uh, King got up. And we got uh, Borough President Vito Fasella and Miss Lipman from the EDC, right? That's right. Yeah, you paid for this place. <laughs> well, we're so thrilled to be here today. I can't. Well, well thank you. And what you, tell us, I mean, uh, the stadium turned out to be beautiful. And uh, the, the grass is so green. That's what impresses me, too. Uh, what, were there any difficulties at any one time? Yeah, no, it's a great question, and, and thank you, and I'm so excited to be here with you, John, and with the borough president and with our friends uh, at the Ferry Hawks on this game opener. Um, every project comes with its hurdles, uh, but this one was a very exciting one to work on. We are thrilled to have been able to make this investment and bring a brand-new uh, turf to well, the stadium. In, in Buffalo, they're spending a billion dollars <laughs> to fix up the stadium. We did it for $10 million. Does that mean we're smarter? I, I'm a big fan of our friends upstate, uh, but I am—I um, prefer us right here in Staten Island, and I think we did it in a wonderful, you effective way. did a great way. job for the amount of money, and, uh, and the place looks great, and, and the people of Staten Island are going to be very thankful. And uh, uh, I, I, I tried to urge uh, uh, Mayor Adams to come through with, uh, to, today, too, but he had to fly away someplace. He did, but he, I know he has sent a lot of representatives, and he is just as excited as we are to be able to be here at this game opener. Oh, God bless. And with us today is also the borough president uh, of Staten Island, uh, Vito Fasella. Vito, it, it's, it's a wonderful thing for Staten Island. It really is, John. And uh, we can't thank you and, and Margo and your family and your team uh, enough for just not only having the vision but the commitment to, to renovate this jewel we have here in New York City. It happens to be located in Staten Island. And uh, we're looking forward to a great season, a great evening. Uh, I must uh, commend uh, EDC for a, a fabulous job. There were a lot of folks who thought it might not be done in time. And uh, anybody, if you're around, come and see this stadium. It really is one of the nicest venues with the best views of any place in, in the country, for that matter. And we're great to be joined by uh, my good friend Peter King. He, he made it out to Staten Island. We and charged Sid him Rosenberg. And Sid. Uh, and we charged him double for the toll, which was good. But... Uh, uh, so we're really looking forward to this. This is a revitalization of not just this area of Staten Island, but, but John, you know, you're a dear friend, but what you've done here, we're very, very grateful for your, for your commitment and, and your desire to improve the, the livelihoods of so many people here in Staten Island and throughout New York City. Well, I've always won Staten Don't forget, when I ran for uh, a mayor, Staten Island voted for me, so I'm always going to be thankful. I did not forget. I okay. won't forget. <laughs> Well, what other big projects are you doing, uh, Ms. Lipman? Well, we are incredibly excited to continue our significant investment on the North Shore of Staten Island. There 
just to, as Borough President mentioned, we are thrilled to bring this affordable entertainment to families here. Um, $15 a ticket. Bo Schnerdley was here before, and he says to go to Mickey Mouse Land in Orlando, it costs you $1,000 a day. You can take your whole family, eat and everything in Staten Island for $100. Yeah, and, and I want to just add, and we have a high-speed ferry literally at the foot of this stadium. So if you're in Manhattan living downtown with a family of four, you can get jump on that ferry and be here in less than 20 minutes. Even on 34th Street, be here in about a half hour, and you can take your family out for a beautiful night overlooking the harbor, the Statue of Liberty, the city skyline for less than $100. And in New York City, I don't think you can get an Uber from uptown to downtown for that much money. So I, I just got a text from Michael. Uh, I can't see it. Michael? Uh, Michael Carey. That's uh, Governor Carey's uh, son. He says, when I was at the head of the EDC, I built that stadium. <laughs> yes, we're doing a redo here. We, we were there for the uh, the opening. That was when uh, there was a stadium in Brooklyn, and they wanted one in Staten Island, and Rudy at the time was mayor, and he made that happen. And there was a great team then, but I didn't want to cut uh, you off. No, Keep not going. at all, and we're excited to bring it back to all its glory. And uh, to the borough president's comments, thrilled that EDC was able to uh, put this fast ferry here, and that's exactly right. I mean, I think what's incredibly exciting about this team, double the games are going to be played. This is going to be a stadium that is active year-round, and the team is committed to that. 365 days a year, year access, and WABC, we're going we're gonna to have Cousin Brucey, and we're going to have all, all the uh, you know, Tony Orlando, uh, uh, Joe Piscopo, Frank Sinatra, <laughs> Dina Martin, and that's cousin best. Vinny, a real Staten Islander. My cousin Vinny. So yeah, and that's the that's the message we want to get out there. It's not just a minor league baseball stadium anymore. This is a full entertainment complex venue that's going to be used throughout the year, not just for concerts and what have you, but. For, but be used by the community as you renamed Staten Island University Hospital Community Park, which is, I think, indicative of where you see this place going. That's exactly right, and we're excited to to invite our give nonprofit status, friends. Give us the status of the Ferris wheel. Is that ever going to happen? <laughs> oh, John, leave it to you to put me on the spot. Um, we are very excited about, and we are absolutely committed to sticking with the North Shore and, and seeing its success come through. Um, and so we have a team that is working fast, furiously, and feverishly to continue to bring some wonderful uh, elements just like this one. To well, the if we have a ferry from Brooklyn to Staten Island, Manhattan to Staten Island, we could call it the Triborough Ferry. <laughs> I heard that word Triborough something. Why not? Why not? And I, and I will commend, again, because where there's a lot happening on the North Shore in particular in the New York City, D.C., is going to be a very important partner in revitalizing so many different segments of the North Shore. Our, the councilwoman from the North Shore, Camilla Hanks, was just in here as well. Uh, we have a councilman from the Mid-Island, David Carr. So there's a lot of folks out trying just to do the right thing for the, for the city and, of course, for our hometown here in Staten Island. Well, thank you so much, guys, and thank you. And, and uh, we look forward to having you on often to give us what's going on in Manhattan, what's going on in Brooklyn, what's going on in the Bronx, and what's, you know, and you can't you're see the it. person that makes it happen. You can't see it, but I've, uh, I think I've trademarked this uh, Ferry Hawk orange <laughs> shirt in honor of uh, tonight's opening day. Well, I'm a fan. Play ball, Jim. Play, Play ball. ball. Play ball. Bring home a winner.
Lydia, who else do we have? We got... Well, there, we have... Play, take me out to the ball where's game. Play. A, where is Eric? We, we, well, I get him. I'm getting a signal from the control booth in, out, in the outfield that we should take a break first. So let's take a break, and we'll be right back. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks. I don't care if I never get back. Let me root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one... Two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks. I don't care if I never get back. Let me root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Keep it right here, Cats at Night. There's never a dull moment here. New York's talk station. This is Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC Sports, celebrating 100 years of bringing you great moments in baseball history. From the World Series in 1921. Here now is Babe Ruth. To Howard Cosell. Hello again, everyone. Howard Cosell. To broadcasting Yankees baseball. And now, another great moment in baseball history. And the 3-2 pitch. Swung on a drill to right field. Going back Sanders. On the track. At the wall. See ya. See ya. See ya. A home run by Derek Jeter. He pumps his fist in the air as he rounded first. Oh, what a ball game. A game-winning walk-off home run by Derek Jeter. He is Mr. November. 77 WABC and Red Apple Media are broadcasting live from Staten Island University Community Park in Staten Island. It's opening day for your Staten Island Ferry Hawks. And we've got a great starting lineup. Go to WABCRadio.com slash baseball and listen to the game starting at 6.30. Now live from the park, here's John Katsimatidis. All right, back here about 80 minutes away now from first pitch between the Staten Island Ferry Hawks, their first ever home opener, taking on Lexington. John Katsimatidis to my left. To my right is, and my name, of course, is uh, Sid Rosenberg, part of the Burning and Sid in the Morning Show here. Brahim Ardolik, I think I got that right, works with one of our major sponsors, the Staten Island University Hospital. For starters, hey, thank you so much for uh, sponsoring uh, our baseball team. And uh, secondly, how exciting is it to have this baseball team right here with your hospital's name all over the place? Yeah, it's really amazing to be a part of bringing baseball back to Staten Island and to get this all started. It's truly an honor to be a part of this process and to get baseball back here. It has uh, been a couple of years since you last had baseball here, obviously. I don't know, were you involved with the last club before John bought this team? Yeah, we were involved with it. We, not at the same level that we are now, we were involved. And the, you, know, you look at the, uh, the progress your hospital has made over the last couple of years, and obviously 
folks now suffering from COVID. It seems like the hospitals were busier than ever and became household names. But you guys, you guys have a huge campus, and I'm pretty sure that uh, every major surgery you guys are involved in. In fact, I don't know this for a fact. You can tell me you have to be one of the bigger hospitals in the whole state of New York, yes? Yeah, we are one of the largest hospitals in the tri-state area, um, and the reality is you, you don't need to go and leave Staten Island to get world-class health care. We offer a full array of services from the most mundane up to some of the most complicated services you can get right on Staten Island. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, during the whole COVID outbreak, folks started to forget about other issues that they were still going through, heart uh, problems, for example, and cancers and those things, which my partner, Bunny, deals with on a daily basis. I think it's important for uh, folks to realize that they have to keep checking themselves, women, go for mammograms, go for pap smears, all these things to make sure they're okay even during that COVID run. That would be your, your uh, recommendation, I think, right? Yeah, it'd be a huge. It was a real issue during that period that people stopped doing a lot of the regular things they would actually do, some out of fear and some just because life changed so much. But, yeah, getting back to regularly taking care of yourself is probably the most important thing you can do to keep yourself healthy. Now, are you a baseball fan yourself? I am a baseball fan. Uh, now, I know, of course, you, you're a Staten Island Ferry Hawk fan, but are you a Met fan, Yankee fan? What else? I am a Met fan uh, since since my, since my first watching baseball, probably at three or four years old. I've What's been a your Met first fan. memory? What's your, my first New York Met memory, I'll take you back to 1973. I was six years old. My father used to take me, my late great father, to a barber shop on Avenue U in Brooklyn. It was right out of Goodfellas. Three fat guys in the back had a transistor radio, gave me a lollipop every time. And I'm sitting in the chair, and Wayne Garrett is at the plate for the Mets. Vita Blue is on the mound for the Oakland A's. It was game two of the 1973 World Series, which the Mets did lose despite Rusty Stobbs' heroics. What was your first, uh, what is your first Met memory? I, I got to tell you, I think early on, all I remember is a bunch of losing. And then, <laughs> and then I remember the Keith Hernandez trade. And I remember all of a sudden, I became really interested in baseball, and it became a huge part of my life and watching the team change and all those guys come up and all those guys come through, and we thought we were going to win 20 World Series in 20 years, and we probably should have. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'd say the Hernandez trade was the first clear memory I have. Doctor, how long have you lived in Staten Island? Uh, I've lived on and off Staten Island, uh, gosh, since I was uh, 14 years old. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I've been back and forth. I've either worked or lived on Staten Island since I was 14. It's a huge part of uh, who I am. Did you vote for Vito Pacello? I hope you know you did, but Come on. <laughs> they love him. He's a man. He's great, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, Vito is a and, big uh, part of Staten Island. Entering, we're entering the studio now. At the, uh, we have Eric. Eric uh, Schiffler, come on over. Eric Schiffler. He is the man that got this whole thing started. He was uh, coming well, he to the studio. He worked very hard. He, he did, worked he very hard. Everything from figuring out the name to how many hot dogs are going to serve at the stadium to the first player on the team. You did, and, and then I see him walking down the streets. When he's still on the Upper West Side, they got him gone with his lovely wife on Valentine's night. That was a shocking bump into, wouldn't you say? Thank you, doctor. It's all part of living in New York. You never know who you're going to see when you're walking down the street. <laughs> what was the most difficult part of getting this place open? I think it was the reality that no one had really given a damn about this stadium for many years. And you came into this place in this community that so wanted a winner and so wanted success and so wanted this to work. And the community deserves someone who really cared, John. I think, you know, you said to me, you know, Staten Island's a wonderful borough. It's a great borough. We've got to give them something great. But the, the sheer magnitude of the neglect of the stadium and the little things that it took to turn it around to make it what it is today uh, was overwhelming. Uh, but we did it. Yeah, you did it. I mean, the place looks great. Uh, when I walked in, I, I'm not going to lie, the first thing I thought of was 
MCU. Now the Monterey's ballpark in Brooklyn almost looks identical. You've got the water in center field. You've got the bleachers, almost the same exact color. And look, I was there in the early days of the Cyclones. You know, when Bobby Ojeda was there and Howard Johnson and Tim Tuffle and the Mets helped build that team into something, a successful thing. I got Alfonso, in fact, won a championship. But early on, that team very rarely won. So now that the stadium is all set and Gary Perone is here and you're here in Eduardo Alfonso, now comes the hard part, actually winning baseball <laughs> games. Right? I mean, right or wrong? There's a lot of hard parts. Um, there's a lot of hard parts. Winning baseball is one of them. You know, keeping engaged in the community is really important. Making Staten Island feel that we are here for them and that we're out at Kiwanis and Rotaries and schools and bringing them into the stadium. But also, you know, from the beginning, John said, this is not just about baseball. This is year-round. This is concerts. It's entertainment. You know, we've got half a dozen high school graduations booked here for June, and that'll probably double next year as more people realize that we're, we're an opportunity. You know, we want PTA fun runs in here. We want the concerts. We want entertainment. We want Little League. Staten Island's got the best and, Little and League in the country. I understand they want to do soccer games here, but we have to move the outfield out like 10 <laughs> feet or something? We're trying. Uh, we're working on it for soccer. But we can do a lot here. And, you're, John, you've said this is not a baseball stadium. It's a sports and entertainment venue. And making that vision a reality, you know, that's a lot of work and a lot of grind. But we have the best view of any sports facility in the country. I agree with you. And we got to take advantage of it. Listen, living in New York City, there's nothing better than looking at it from across the water. Uh, (laughs) I just moved out. You can tell how much I love it now. But it is a gorgeous view, a gorgeous view. So now with all that work done, here we are, opening night. You can have a couple of thousand people in this stadium and uh, some real dignitaries from Vito Fisella to other folks around the stadium tonight. How exciting is this for you? Because you were doing the grunt work early on. You went through with me and Bernie going, should we name the team the Verrazano Victors, the Ferry Hawks? I mean, the real grunt work. And here we are actually playing baseball. How exciting is that for you? It's a feeling that's really hard to describe. It's both, you know, this exhilaration and satisfaction that we delivered on promises and responsibility that people gave to John and I. Uh, you know, Borough President Pacella, former Borough President Otto. A lot of people put their trust in us. And that's a heavy burden to carry around, knowing that there's a whole borough that when we started this, there was a lot of skepticism. And fulfilling that to meet the expectations and demands, it's, uh, I feel really good tonight. Well, as you should, that's Eric Schepler, who really helped put this thing together, did an amazing job. Not enough adjectives to describe how hard you worked and how well you've done. So you made this uh, very exciting, not very, very possible. So congratulations to you, Eric. Thank you. Uh, we'll go back to the studio with Lydia. We'll take a short break and come back with John Katsimatidis, Vito Pacella, Peter King, and a host of others, and wrap things up before the on-field ceremony before tonight's big game. Lydia, take it away. Thanks. Thanks. Entertaining and informative talk for New York. Streaming now on your smart speakers. Play 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. John, how you doing out there? You just put out a beautiful picture. Talk about a view you guys got there. Oh, he's going to me. He's out. Oh, so uh, who's who's in who's at the stadium right now? Just me. It's just me. We're just we're just we're just having a good time right now. All right. Well, here we go. So. Uh, what what the big story of the day? I think uh, you know what's crazy to me is the fact that you have not a single Democrat actually condemning the leak. That's what's incredible to me. The fact that we have a border crisis, we have a drug crisis, we have a homelessness crisis, and we've got a mayor of New York City 
that's, you know, kind of waltzing and starring at the Met Gala. And while I do appreciate the messaging behind Mayor Eric Adams, what is it? No gun violence uh, jacket that he was wearing. We got to put some action behind the talk. That's what we need to do, Mayor Adams. He really needs to call out those justices that don't want to keep the criminals behind bars, the DAs that don't want to prosecute, and give the support to the cops. I think it was a really big misstep by Mayor Adams that he said, okay, take a picture of a cop if he's on his phone. Listen, are cops on their phones? Absolutely. They have a police department-issued cell phone, and they also have their personal phones. We don't know which one they're looking at because we know this all was instituted actually under former police commissioner Bratton. Instead of everybody writing down their notes on a pad, they instead write have now their cell phones to keep their notes and to talk to each other and communicate all at once. So those phones are are vital. But do we know for sure that the cops are simply using the department-issued phones or are they using their personal phones? However, even if that's the case that they're on their personal phones too much, it should have been an, a directive issued by department heads, by sergeants, by commanders, and not by the mayor of New York City on a public forum on the news and telling people, take a picture, because I'm actually seeing that now on Twitter, that people are taking pictures and they're tweeting it up cops on their phones, and we don't know what the cop is doing, and it's a moment in time, and it's really not fair, and it's definitely not you know, backing up the cops like they so desperately need. Now we got John Katzmatidis back at uh, the stadium there in Staten Island. We were just talking about crime in Staten Island. Doesn't it seem like a world away? There's no crime in Staten Island. I know. I know. To escape, they have to cross the bridge, and they can't afford afford the toll. Do you believe you're in New York City out there? It's beautiful. You can see New York. We have a special guest who just came in. We have... Former Governor uh, McGreevy here. And, Governor, what do you think? I, You know, Staten Island is almost as good as Jersey. So I'm glad to be here, John, to support you and the, the good congressman and the entire team. And we just want everybody to understand in Jersey and Staten Island, New York, you want to see quality baseball, you come out here and support John's team. So thank you very much. Well, thank you, Governor. And uh, Borough President Fasella, do you have reciprocity agreements with yes, New Jersey? Yes, he's always willing to give parking tickets in Jersey. We do, and uh, and we impound the cars and send them to Jersey, Perth Amboy, and Edison, and Woodbridge, wherever. The, wherever. You're a heck of a guy. <laughs> but the reality is that uh, we actually, a lot of folks feel a close uh, connection with, with Jersey, as and, you know. If you have a nice car, you you send it, you put it down in the... Uh, uh, and you, the next stop is Brazil or something, right? Hey, but, 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 John, I just want you to tell you, there, there have been times Staten Island's thought of seceding New York and coming to Jersey. So I want them to know they always got a welcome place in the Garden State. Well, I know we talked about seceding. I don't know why we talked about going to Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> they may go to Jersey to shop. But, uh, hey, exactly. <laughs> no, but Save the, on the sales tax. The Jersey Shore is... Uh, you know, more Staten Islanders on the Jersey Shore That's some weekends than, than a lot of folks here. So we have a very close uh, close connection with the people in Jersey. And thank you so much. And I just want to say congratulations to John and the Ferry Hawks and the team. It's a beautiful night, and come out here and enjoy quality baseball. Good to be with you, Governor. Likewise. Godspeed. Thank you, Governor. John, I think we have to get down to real business. There's a star pitcher tonight throwing out the first pitch. Amen. And uh, there's big league scouts I all, wanted, all I over I want to make sure he could reach the plate. We're talking about Vito. He's you got to reach at least the plate, well. Vito. I, I mean, Vito always you know, had when Margo s- threw out the pitch in Coney Island, she reached the plate. Now, Vito always had a good screwball. I know that. So. <laughs> no, my mother called me a screwball. That was about the extent of it. 
Uh, no, I, I, I think if I get to stand on home plate, I'll reach home plate. But we're so grateful uh, to once again to almost you know coming to the close to all you guys making this and celebrating this night. And you know Peter King, there's nobody like him. A great friend. I'm lucky to be his friend. And uh, thanks for taking the trip out here, Peter. It's always great to be with you, Vito. You're a great friend. It was great being with you in Congress. I'm glad you're back. We need you more than ever. We need you on the political and governmental scene. You've got to turn this place around. Borough President uh, Vito Fisella, what is the secret behind Staten Island's success? Everybody I meet from Staten Island loves it. They call it home. They're so proud of it. And the crime is basically, it's, it's kind of non-existent there, especially when you compare it to the rest of New York City. What's the secret? Yeah. I don't know if there's one, but, you know, we we cherish our small town feeling in this big city. Uh, We value community. We value each other. Uh, We don't we never really jumped up and down when others were saying, talk about defund the police. We support our men and women in law enforcement here. We know that it could be our son or daughter or sister or wife who could get pushed on that train or in the subway. So we take uh, crime very, very seriously here, and we're blessed to have so many great men and women who serve and wear our, our city's uniform. And we'll look out for each other. You know, there's there's old expression about six degrees of separation on Staten Island is about one and a half. You know, if you know somebody, you know somebody. So we, we try to retain that strong community sense of pride and ownership. And Vito, to me, what symbolizes a lot right across the street from the stadium is the uh, precinct. Staten Island 120, I guess, once I was here. And to me, that shows the commitment that Staten Island has to the police, to the people, and now to sports and entertainment. As you say, this is not just a baseball field. This is for everything, really. Yeah, and we wanted to tie it out to this community of Staten Island. And to, to add to that, we were, it's a patriotic community. We appreciate the veterans who've given us our freedoms. We value these simple things that others take for granted. And I don't want to generalize too much, but we, we stand for the flag and the red, white, and blue and everything in between. Yeah, there's no, uh, again, I, I've never seen a more patriotic place in Staten Island. I used to love coming over here, being with you at events uh, this summer, last summer being on the boardwalk with you, campaigning. And in spite of that, you still won. Even though I showed up, you still won. <laughs> well, it's an, as John mentioned, the good people of Staten Island have a lot of common sense. Is why they chose him when he ran for mayor. <laughs> and that's why you won by almost 70%. I mean, I can't. the other sponsor we have is Andrew Kaplan. Uh, New York Community Bank, and I'm looking for him. I don't know where he is. Otherwise, we put him on the phone. Andrew Kaplan, are you out there? <laughs> Guess not. <laughs> well, he's, Lydia, he's, he's, he's getting a Nathan's hot studio. dog. He's getting a Nathan's hot dog. He's having a, yeah, he's having a Nathan's hot dog. Howard Lorber called me, and he says he wishes he would be here. He's the owner of Nathan's, and and I'll tell you, he's got one good. Frank. I mean, originally they wanted to put in Brand X Franks. I said, I don't want any Brand X Franks. I want Nathan's Frank for this. That's it. What John wants, John gets. When John wants a Nathan's hot dog, John gets a Nathan's hot dog. There is something very distinctively delicious about By the way, I think he had two. Uh Uh-oh, don't tell Margo. extra good. (laughs) I I could barely get to the hot dog. Sid Rosenberg was glomming them all down in there. (laughs) Curtis... Curtis like wants to have a hot dog eating contest. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> let, let Curtis do it. <laughs> There'll be no hot dogs left. There'll be no Somebody. Curtis left if he keeps that stuff up. Jesus. 
Oh, my well, God. Well, we're having a little bit of fun today. Lydia, thank you for, I, I for wish, covering the studio. I wish everybody could see the view behind us. Isn't that beautiful? beautiful wow. Statue of Liberty of Manhattan skyline. And, and anybody out there listening, if you want to have a good evening uh, for whatever the case, as Peter's been saying, we've been saying is sports, entertainment venue, you, you, you're you not going to do better than you. In fact, this fall, I understand, a Vito Fisella concert that we're going to have. Yeah, we'll get karaoke. We'll get karaoke. <laughs> we promised to sing. I did, if we got the ferry boat. <laughs> Well, it's not over till it's over. Just, over. When I was in Congress, the one disappointment I had, no matter what I got from my district, Vito got a ferry boat. He got whatever he wanted. This guy got everything in Staten Island. I'm surprised it didn't sink. Actually, it was three ferry boats. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Vito. <laughs> well, that means we're out of time, John. Well, thank you, Lydia, for quarterbacking. For and uh, thank you, and God bless uh, New York, and God bless America, and definitely God bless Staten Island. Me.